Listener Production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, founder of Future Women, a club helping women to connect, learn and lead. Over my career, I've run teams inside newspapers, edited a magazine and launched my own business. This has meant building a team from scratch, leading through difficult times and managing the odd crisis. I've never had any leadership training because I thought you were either good at leading or you weren't. I thought being decisive was a key metric for success. I was wrong and it led me to make simple but avoidable mistakes. In this series, I'm doing what I should have done years ago, reaching out to people who I admire, who have also successfully run teams across all types of industries. So I can ask their advice on some of the common leadership challenges. It's hard to believe, but for many women, telling the boss they're pregnant is still one of the hardest conversations they will have. It's understandable because as a boss, I won't lie, hearing a colleague is pregnant is both exciting and an immediate challenge. So how do we tackle pregnancy and its impact both as an employee and as a leader? My guest today is the expert on the topic. A lawyer, Prue Gilbert, is the CEO of Grace Papers, a digital platform that provides employees with the strategies, language and framework to take leave to raise a family. In this episode, we talk about how to tell the boss you're pregnant and what to do if you are the boss. Prue Gilbert, welcome to the Future Women Leadership Series. So starting a business is a massive commitment. Can you tell us a little bit about Grace Papers, your business, and why you felt compelled to start it? I sometimes don't think you realise how big a decision it is until you are so deep in that you look back and you think, what was I thinking? But I really started Grace Papers when I grew out of my role as general counsel for a big listed company many, many years ago. And I was driving their gender inclusion strategy in addition to my general counsel role and developed a real passion for having an impact on workplace gender equality outcomes. So I started consulting and that very quickly grew into seeing the impact of parental leave on women's careers. And that evolved into, I guess, what we are today, which is a career coaching platform that empowers employees with family and caregiving responsibilities as well as their leaders with, you know, a really clear goal of accelerating gender equality outcomes. Along the way, I've had three kids. Well, I think I had one when I started. I've kind of grown as a business owner, as the kids have grown and the business has kind of grown along that journey as well. But we continue to say parental leave and caregiving having such a significant impact on, in particular, women's careers. And yet it's also the greatest opportunity for organisations to disrupt gendered stereotypes. So that's often where we start with our clients, but we continue to accompany those employees, if you like, on that journey and also have the opportunity to coach leaders, D&I leaders, CEOs uh, in that space as well. I imagine that it is to some extent still a struggle, but 
certainly when you began the business, it would have been quite a struggle to articulate to businesses why this was an issue or a challenge. How did you explain it to organisations in the early days? It definitely was. And in fact, I remember seeing the look on some of the clients, you know, HR leaders' faces that I spoke to when I said, you know, pregnancy discrimination is really rife. And they're like, oh, we can't talk about discrimination, you know, and we don't want a platform or coaching or anything that's going to talk about discrimination. It'll open the floodgates, you know, and then everybody will be claiming discrimination and we won't know what to do with it. So it was definitely a journey for me to actually figure out how we framed the issue because that was my legal background was understanding, you know, seeing and hearing the lived experiences of, you know, back then it was predominantly women and being able to name their experience through my legal background as some form of systemic discrimination or bias. But how do you frame it in the positive was, you know, the opportunity that I really had to, or the, the challenge I had to crack in order for them to see what there was to gain through it. And there is a very clear benefit to actually solving for this issue. And it really ties back to the business case for, for gender balance more broadly, the attraction and retention of, you know, a gender balanced team, making it safe for employees within organisations. One of your clients actually told me one day about how she had to explain to her executive team the loss of revenue to the organisation every time they didn't keep a woman on maternity leave in the business or even engaged in the business while they're out of the, out of the workplace. And she was easily able to write a nice big check to you to stop that drain out of, of talent out of the business. So it's so interesting to me that it's an issue that could very easily have been completely ignored mm. by organisations to cut to today where it's impossible to ignore it because the, the financial benefits to an organisation are just overwhelming. They are. It's a, it's a big clear. journey you've been on. Yeah. Yes, it has been a big journey of social change. And sometimes it still feels like the change is glacial, but I, I spoke to a client yesterday whom I've coached over a number of years and she was ringing me to say, look, I'm looking for a new role, but I'm also nine weeks pregnant. And when I'm, I'm into, you know, final stages in an interview process, should I tell them? And so we had this fascinating conversation whereby I said five, six years ago, I would have said, take your wedding ring off, take your engagement ring off to actually even go to an interview for a new role and probably hide it, particularly when you're going through recruiters, historically have been the biggest barrier. And yet now, you know, I suspect she will end up getting through the recruiters. She hasn't told them at this stage or, what? Uh, you know, we kind of said they probably don't need to know still, but you can keep your wedding bands on or and that sort of thing when you're going through them now. And 
we actually unpacked what was publicly available from a policy perspective. And there are many organisations who've actually removed the qualifying period for which you can take parental leave or access their paid parental leave policy. And in doing so, they're actually attracting a much broader range of talent than they otherwise would have. And it really is such a small cost in the overall scheme of things when you get the right person, especially in a talent market like this. So when I reflect back, I think we have seen significant social change in this space uh, in terms of organisations really valuing the women beyond, you know, having their first baby, which is great. And even more than that, you know, we have many clients now whereby they're hitting 50-50 uptake of parental leave by women and men. And that is where the game will really start to change. Because often I'm asked, you know, how do we get more women into our organisation? And I'm asked it by male-dominated organisations. And I say, well, make it safe. Make it safe for men to take parental leave. Make it safe for men to work flexibly. Stop focusing on the women, focus on the men and the behaviour changes and the social change that you can drive on that front and the women will be lining up. You will be a preferred employer for them, even if it's a small talent pool in an engineering field or a technology field, you'll get the talent. And we know that there's a skills and labour shortage, so there's this unique... Mm -hmm period of time where employers are thinking about all of these issues differently. What I want to do in this interview, though, is to give women listening to this really practical advice. So like your client, Mm. if you're thinking about having a family today and you're just about to accept a promotion, are you entitled or are you right to feel anxious or nervous about that? And at what point do you tell your boss? Whatever you're feeling is whatever you're feeling. And I would always say to women, listen to exactly what that feeling is and explore it more deeply because it is a sign that you need to pay attention somewhere else. So if you've been offered a promotion and you're nine weeks pregnant, let's just say you do not have to tell them, absolutely, but you're probably grappling with some sort of values conflict whereby you want to be able to tell them because, you know, why should we have to keep secrets like that? You can keep secrets for your own personal reasons, but, you know, and perhaps you want to wait until you've got, you know, certain clearances and so forth, but you shouldn't have to keep the secret in case it puts you at risk of not getting the promotion that you are well and truly qualified for. So in those circumstances, I say read the room and think about the potential biases of, you know, the person who's got power in terms of the promotion that's on offer. 
but also think about your own professional vision. And it's one of the game-changing tools that we use in, in all of our coachings is what is the vision for your career? What are your proudest achievements? Because when you can articulate what your professional vision is, you send a really strong message around your ambitions and what a lot of leaders, managers continue to hold is some form of unconscious ambition bias, whereby, you know, you're going to fall so in love with that baby that you'll never want to work again, or, you know, you'll want to work part-time, or they make a lot of assumptions about what you might want to do based on their own personal experiences or what they've seen others do. And what you really want to do is actually start to combat those biases. So your professional vision is an example or a demonstration of of your ambitions and also of your achievements. And using that at the same time that you actually communicate that you are expecting means that the message is clear that you're still committed to your career. I think the other thing that we'd always encourage people to do is think about who else is sponsoring them. So perhaps before you tell you know, you're the manager that is recruiting you or promoting you, you might identify who else has power, whom you trust, who can ensure that they've got your back and you can confide in them so that if there is another further conversation, they can back you up and ensure that, you know, that the manager hasn't gotten, you know, cold feet or a little bit anxious or worried about it. I think it's still important to remember that we are still changing the world on this front and it is part of a social movement. So it's not a lay down misere that the person that you're engaging with will automatically assume that you're ambitious and, you know, won't hold some form of bias. So, so do the work and prepare for that conversation as well. Are those conversations still as hard today as they were 20 years ago in your experience? I think it depends on what's at stake. You know, I think if you've been in an organisation for a while and you're seeing more and more people go through the parental leave experience, then no, I think it's become a lot easier. But I think the point around promotions is where there's still that sense of, I don't have complete control over this situation and I really value my career. And, you know, we know that the average age of a first-time mother these days is almost 31. So there's a lot of our identity that is connected to our career. And I guess to put all of that on the line is what it can feel like when you're telling them, that you're expecting and leave it in somebody else's hands to uh, to make the decision as to whether you're going to get promoted or not can f- make you feel extremely vulnerable. Yes, I guess that makes complete sense because it's not so much about the attitude of the person that you're telling, it's about what it means for you and your life. So I want to turn the table. Tell me honestly... Have you ever sat in your office and had a very respected, loyal, significant member of your team walk in and say, Prue, I need to have a chat. Guess what? I'm nine weeks pregnant. 
and I'm ecstatic. And you have to be ecstatic too. Yeah. When all you want to do is go, how am I going to make that function of the business work? Because Jane's leaving and I can't live without her. I think that is such a common experience to that when they walk in, you're like, oh, please. <laughs> I can't bear the thought of losing please. you. <laughs> and then you have to be happy and you are happy, but you have to be happy. You are genuinely <laughs> happy for the individual. And I think having been through it as a leader, it's actually a real opportunity to reframe where you're at. And so we've always looked at it as an opportunity for growth and not just for us as a business, but for the individual as well. And I think seeing it through that lens can really help leaders to change their mindset and look at the whole opportunity differently. You know, we're, we're a smaller business. So if somebody's going off on parental leave, then there's an opportunity to say, well, how do we make this work in the shorter term? But what also, what's the next growth step for you? What do you want to be doing when you come back? And how can we, you know, whether it's using a contractor during that period or bringing somebody else in to a slightly different role, obviously not the same role because you're entitled to return to the same role. How do we use it as an opportunity for everybody to grow? And that's one of the great benefits that we see from the parental leave experience internally. I know people do grow through their parental leave. You know, they become more empathetic. They've got more patience often and they use their time so efficiently as well. Uh, They also gain a different sense of maturity. So it is really an opportunity to factor that in to their return and see, you know, what they want to drop from the role that they were performing and where they want to grow on their return. What challenges do you see then in the situation where you have a small team or organisation and one of the team is off on mat leave? Are there any challenges for that organisation that you identify and counsel organisations to consider? I think one of the biggest challenges for small organisations is they often can't get the numbers right on paying paid parental leave, even though they would like to. And what do you mean by can't get the numbers right? It's hard to justify it. Yeah. You know, it looks like a cost. Yeah. And the smaller you are, the more you actually need that role done. So, you know, it does, it depends on the organisation, but that tends to be the case with with the smaller ones. Yep. And that's where, you know, you can feel like it's harder to attract that ta- talent and retain that talent through their parental leave experience when you're up against some of the bigger organisations who are paying, you know, paid parental leave four, five, six months at the replacement wage plus super plus you get to hand over to somebody else from a genuine backfill and, and feel like you can switch off properly. I think there's a different sense of loyalty in smaller businesses as well from the individual and that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm part of a small family business. You know, how do I manage that and not feel 
overwhelmed or burdened or, you know, like I'm letting them down. So there's probably two two parts to that. And I think, you know, that's exactly where we need to shift the system at the federal government level and actually have true reform on paid parental leave that reflects it. So if you are a small to medium business challenged by the number of women in your organisation who are or likely to go off on paternity leave, is there any support you can get to help you through that period of time? Yes, there's, there's probably support and you can actually look at, you know, the paid parental leave scheme and the way that it currently exists and think about how you can do things differently on that front. You know, perhaps you can top it up so that they're getting closer to their replacement wage. Also think about it through a growth lens. You know, what will this mean if you look at it 12 months down the track and you've retained that person who's coming back They've done an amazing handover to somebody else who's filling that spot that's actually enabled you to grow. So really put that growth lens on, you know, the parental leave cover and experience and figure out what it'll also cost if you're going to lose that talent and that knowledge, that loyalty, because... The people who take parental leave and have a great experience with you will be forever your most loyal employees and they're often more than happy to touch base back with the organisation, particularly in smaller ones, and share their wisdom, advice, knowledge on an ad hoc basis they're often also more likely to return to work earlier. So I think take a long view, not a, a shorter one. And if you need extra support for the individual as well, you know, it's a great opportunity to give them some coaching so that they set everything up for success and make your life easier as well. The other challenge, I think, for leaders managing teams of women who are coming in and out of the workforce is keeping that connection. Mm-hmm. It's very easy as a leader to say, farewell, congratulations, you know, then the the baby's born, congratulations on the baby's born, send the booties. I sent some a couple of weeks ago, hello to Jet, to baby Jet. But I haven't spoken to Jet's mum because she's on maternity leave and I've made arrangements for that to be filled. But talking to you has reminded me that one of the things that many mums on maternity leave struggle with is that dislocation and losing contact with the workplace. Totally. We actually focus a lot on that preparing for the transition to parental leave, you know, and starting with even the anxieties that that women feel at that stage. I think every person I've ever coached or spoken to at that stage will tell me one of two things, you know, either they want the person who's performing their role to be good, but not quite as good as them. Or their role's been redistributed amongst the whole team. You know, does that make them technically redundant? Like, are they going to have a role when they get back? And often if they take some of those anxieties into parental leave, you know, they're less likely to stay connected and sometimes less engaged with their career over the longer term because 
depending on the size of the break or the length of the break, that's that's a reality that can actually start to play out. And, you know, they start to see it more as a job rather than a career and lose that connection to their identity on that front. So we encourage people to, to really have those robust conversations before they go off on parental leave, remind their manager, but also for managers to be asking the questions, not when are you coming back and not do you want to keep in touch or do you want a complete break? Because that's the other frequent question that I think women in particular hear. But what are your proudest achievements over the past few months? What are you really proud of over the past year? So reminding them that they matter, but also reminding yourself of that person's contributions, having the conversation around handover and not just, okay, so you've done a great handover, but how do you want it handed back? What would be your ideal scenario? And then keeping in touch. You know, we still seem to view the parental leave experience as one whereby women can choose whether they need extra support or not, whether they need coaching, whether they need to keep in touch or not, rather than viewing this as a critical talent experience or talent responsibility of managers, leaders to say, no, you're important to us and we will be checking in at, you know, these sort of touch points, first and foremost around your well-being because you actually matter to us and you are still an employee of ours. And then beyond that, we'll keep you abreast of bigger projects that are coming up. Is there anything in particular that you want to stay connected with? Are there events that you want to go to? Are there professional development opportunities? Are there other external stakeholders that you would like to stay connected with? How can we facilitate that for you? You don't need to make a decision around all of that right now, but maybe you can use some of your 10 paid days of keeping in touch, which you are able to access in Australia to connect back with the organisation and with me on different things over time. So I think there's a really important opportunity to to ensure that there's a wellbeing component, but also a, a career component in terms of that keeping in touch arrangement. Pro, do you still see or hear of circumstances where a woman is made redundant on maternity leave? Is that actually still a thing? Unfortunately, yes. And... In fact, in some of these big restructures that are going on, there's actually a systemic challenge that often rears its head. And, you know, we've seen women with six-week-old babies being asked to reapply for their roles because, you know, there's a restructure and they're spilling roles. And so, you know, I can't imagine how challenging that is when you've got a six-week-old and you're trying to, you know, update your resume, even though you've been with the organisation for three years, and and put your best foot forward to to get a role when you're competing against somebody who's in the workforce having access to those decision makers every single day. So unfortunately, yes, we do still see it happen in different ways. And our advice to organisations is to really think about the systemic controls that they need to put in place, uh, but also to women to think about 
before you go off on parental leave, who are your sponsors? You know, who are the people who they don't necessarily manage you, but they have power and they're in the decision-making room when you are not? And what can they do to ensure that if there are restructures, if there are promotion opportunities, if there are any sort of changes, that they'll reach out to you and you probably also need to be thinking about how you stay connected with them. Some people will probably be listening to this thinking, is she for real? Like, how much work do I actually need to do to get all of this set up just to keep my career on track? And one of our favourite strategies is what we call the thank you strategy. So before you go off on parental leave, send a few quick thank yous to people who you have a good relationship with, who have power, may have sponsored you in some way, shape or form in the past and just remind them of how much you valued what they did for you at that point in time and tell them that you're heading off on parental leave and then add one ask. You know, so if you see anything that you think I should be across from a promotion opportunity while on parental leave, I'd be so grateful if you'd reach out. And we've found that to be a really simple way of engaging sponsors or sponsorship before you go off on parental leave and building that support base for when you actually return as well. What trends are you seeing uh, in the workforce around men, either Prue, hi, my name's John. I've been doing a very important job for you, but I want to take parental leave. Or I'm the boss and I'm John and Steve comes in and Steve wants to take parental leave. What's going on in the workplace, you know, in that space that's surprising or problematic or interesting to you at the moment? I think it's still a tale of two different what's the word, industries almost, or, you know, segments within the workforce. On the one hand, you've got some organisations who are probably really feeling the talent squeeze more than anyone. And they have introduced paid parental leave policies that support men to take parental leave. And they are starting to see significant uptake, which is fabulous. I think it's taken a fair bit to get them to take the parental leave, though, as well. I mean, we, we work with a number of organisations whereby they've literally said to us, we're offering all of these men coaching. And the first step is actually to educate them around the benefits for them of taking parental leave. And some of those organisations are up, you know, around 40, 50, 60%, depending on, you know, the proportion of men that are actually taking parental leave. But then I think we've still got such a significant number of organisations where it's either not socially acceptable or the policies just haven't yet evolved to enable men to access paid parental leave. I think it's been a really positive couple of years on that front in that we've seen Victorian government and New South Wales governments introduce equal access to paid parental leave. In fact, New South Wales government has gone to gender neutral paid parental leave and removing a lot of those barriers will definitely see greater uptake. But, you know, 
paid parental leave isn't a change management program. It's a social change agenda. And so leadership actually have to be on the same page in terms of understanding that just because you've got a policy doesn't mean that men are actually going to access it. They need to authorise the culture and encourage people to actually take it up. And instead of waiting for men to ask, you know, whether they can take parental leave and put in those applications, actually where it works is when leaders are saying, oh, so your partner's expecting, great, when are you taking parental leave? And that's what we really need to say change on that front. I think there's also still a bit of a debate around how to take parental leave for men. You know, we often have this conversation amongst our team that men can still choose when they take it. You know, as as a birth mother uh, or birth parent, you you can't choose. That baby is coming when it is coming and it can be incredibly inconvenient for a workplace. You might be mid-project, you might go early and workplaces are still saying to men, could you just push it back a few weeks or, you know, do you reckon you could change it till this or do you think you could just take it three days? And so I think Probably until we get to the stage whereby men are feeling they can take it at any stage that is convenient and suitable for their family as the first priority, we've still got a way to go from a social change perspective to get that to happen. I'm also interested in that room where there's two men, a boss and an employee, and, you know, what is that conversation around parental leave? Like, you know, does it look the same between a woman and a female staff member who says, I'm pregnant. That emotion we talked about at the beginning of the interview where we're both excited and also like, oh, no, how am I going to cope without her? I just wonder what the dynamic is when, you know, there's that conversation between two men about a decision to take parental leave and whether it's still really unfamiliar for men to have that conversation one-on-one. I think it is still, you know, fairly unfamiliar Given when you look at the data, there are not that many men that have actually taken parental leave. So to have somebody who has experienced it is a gift. And they're usually the ones who would say, oh, great, it's the best thing I ever did. Can't wait for you to take it as well. But for others who probably didn't have the opportunity, it's never even on the table. It can be a bit confronting for some of those managers And I don't even think they're always aware of it to realise that they did miss out quite significantly on, you know, substantial parts of their child's life by not having had that opportunity to take parental leave. And therefore, they're often a little bit more set in their ways around it's your job to provide. You know, we know the provider male stereotype is still really strong in this country and it is one that we we're trying to disrupt. Parental leave is a great way to disrupt it. This podcast is most often about leadership issues and I feel like I've taken you down a couple of rabbit holes. So I'm going to bring you back to sort of a bit more traditional leadership conversation and ask you, what sort of leader are you, Prue Gilbert? I think I'll always be a leader with my learning (laughs) plates on in some ways. I am curious. I'm very empathetic. 
brand and mission focused and I like to look for the the best in individuals. You know, that is what I, I practice and, and I preach. But I come with, with many flaws and still getting my head around all of the different operational elements of, of running, you know, a fast growing business. I love the book, Turn This Ship Around, whereby, you know, the captain of a submarine has to really think about, you know, his own leadership style in order to empower others. And that is very much about valuing others' expertise and seeing the way they can contribute as opposed to the leader knowing it all and kind of being that boss. That's really what I aspire to be, a leader more like the David Marquettes of this world and getting good at asking the right questions so that I feel comfortable that we're going in the right direction when it comes to my team, but they are empowered to make the decisions that they need to make in order to get us there. Are you good at receiving feedback? I hope so. Because I'm going to tell you what someone told me about you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Um, You are compassionate. You are passionate. You are creative. And you're a classic founder of a business. So it's not completely inconsistent with what you just said. I was just looking it up. I said, could you describe what she's like as a leader? Compassionate and creative. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. I think the classic founder thing means, you know, you can never get your head completely out of it. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) And that's why I, I guess my biggest growth opportunity is to be more of a David Marquette style leader. One of my hate words is empower, but mm. um, encouraging your staff to pick up the, the holes, right, and run with mm. it and make the decision so that you can continue to head into the clouds and consider the, the issues from above. Exactly. Are you good at balancing work and life, given your expertise on advising organisations about better paternity leave? I am, actually. I'm really good at it, if the truth be known. Oh, great. Tell me about that. I've done a lot of work on it, but I think it's why we have such an impact on others too. I have really clear boundaries around, you know, what I will and won't do. But more importantly than that, I prioritise the rituals of connection that are most important for me and my family. And I have done that, gosh, I'd say for maybe six or seven years now, where I take close to six weeks off over summer. And that is quality family time. I'll spend a few hours, you know, once everybody starts to come back to work. But often, you know, when the kids were little, I'd even get a babysitter to kind of come in for those witching hours in the morning or, you know, when they didn't really notice that I was gone from like 7am till 10.30. And then by the time I got back, the kids were sunscreened. They had, you know, swimming gear ready to go and I'd get to spend the rest of the day with them. Prugu, but I could probably talk to you for the rest of this evening, but I note it's late in the day, so... Thank you so much for giving up your precious time and sharing those insights. 
super interesting to delve into some of what you know and for you to take the time to share them with us. So thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. Always lovely to talk with you, Helen. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Series producer is Holly Mitchell and audio imaging by Nat Marshall. 